All right, we are going to continue in our series entitled 360 uh, Stewardship, uh, where we're talking about how God has gifted us with all sorts of different things and how we can use them throughout our lives in a way that honors Him, blesses others, and uh, puts them to the best possible use. And um, today we're going to start into kind of a two-week Uh, focus within those six weeks on the things that we've been given, the assets that we have, the material possessions. That's going to be my focus today. And Pastor Randy uh, is going to finish up our series next week and talking especially about monetary uh, possessions. But um, when Sarah was asking the question earlier today about uh, abundance, one of the things I shared with the earlier service today is uh, a couple years ago, uh, I, I found a pair of shoes. I think it was at Sierra Trading Company up in Deer Park. Has anyone been up that way? You guys know that store a little bit. We, we love that place. Uh, here's the sub-theme. I love to, to only buy things that are on sale or at a very low price. So we shop at Aldi all the time. And if it's on sale, then I usually am inclined to buy it. So I found a pair of Sperry's. Right, and they uh, transformed my life because they were amazing, and they were super comfortable, and they're kind of like this orangish pink color. And I wore them so much now they're dirty, and I needed to get some new ones. And so Sarah and I went shopping up that way, and actually not at Sierra's, but at uh, Nordstrom Rack next door, which I forgot has a bigger shoe selection. Uh, I found not just one new pair of Sperry's, but like two, or there was like four I could have chosen from. So I'm debuting my. I'm calling these my Chicago Bears. Uh, Sperry's today because they have a little bit of that shoe color until I realized somebody reminded me after the first service they don't even play today. So it's uh, at least they won't lose when I'm wearing them today. But um, yeah, God provided an abundance of Sperry's for me and I'm thankful for that. But um, we're going to be talking today about the things that we have, the possessions that God entrusts to us and how we can uh, appreciate that they are gifts from him for us to enjoy something as simple as some shoes that I'm super excited about now, um, uh, and then also use uh, for the good of others. Uh, To kind of continue in preparing our minds to think about that, I have an exercise for you. I want you to think about uh, a house fire. Okay, so hopefully none of you have had to deal with a house fire. Um, they're, they're often traumatic, and they could lead to the loss of life. We're not thinking about that kind of fire today. This is a picture I found, by the way, just with a simple Google search, and it's uh, from a fire on a, uh, a home that was being built in a place called Goochland, Virginia. Does anyone know anything about Goochland, Virginia? No, I didn't look it up either. So apparently it's a place. And, um, and, and it was a brand new house, and unfortunately it caught fire. So, so nobody was hurt. Um, and, and that's what I want you to be thinking about is imagine your home is on fire and it's about to burn to the ground and everything will be lost, right? But nobody is going to get hurt. There's going to be no loss of life, no human life, no animal life. So just imagine just the house and the stuff that's in it. Um, and you have just enough time to save one thing. Uh, what would that be? I want you to think about that for a moment. If you're with your family or somebody who looks decent next to you, share with them what's that one thing that you would try to save. And I'm going to look for a few examples. Ah, okay. So bonus points, by, by the way, 
bonus points to all of you because this crowd uh, follows instructions very, very well, and you're happy to talk and share ideas with each other. The first two services are still getting used to that. So when I told them to do this, they're like, can we actually talk in church? And I said, yeah, actually, that's what we want you to do. And just try to get a little participation. Andy, you said maybe your tambourine, right? A special musical instrument. Okay, so what's, what's another example? Something you would want to rescue and save. What's that? Photographs, right? Especially like the ones that aren't digital because they could be gone for forever. So like photographs, what else? Pets, right? Okay, I did rule in the beginning, by the way, no loss of animal life either, but pets are super important. We'd probably save Devereux. Uh, what else? What's that, Joyce? Family heirlooms. Okay, somebody else over here? Car keys. Because <laughs> you, yeah, uh, yeah, those are hard to replace, kind of expensive. Yeah, Steve? Your password diary. <laughs> right? Which, uh, um, yeah, all the tech people would say, don't have it all written down. But practically speaking, <laughs> anyway, that's just the life we live, right? How about a couple more? What would you say? Your cell phone, right? Somebody said wallet, right? Your Bible. Thanks, Darlene. Yeah, there's no wrong answers to this, by the way. I was trying to think through, again, if my wife and my kids and my pets were all safe, what I would save for my house. And I couldn't really come up with anything, so I decided I'd just go with my new shoes because they're my new favorite thing. But what's that? You thought I'd say bourbon. That's a good, that's a good one to save too, potentially. But um, So here's, here's what I want you to think about this. I want you to think about the things that you have uh, and, and the things that matter most to you. And we're going to talk about how do we hold on to them, put them to good use, but also not hold on to them as if they're all that matters. Okay? So let's go back to this reading. Thanks, uh, Jill, for reading this earlier from Matthew chapter 6. Jesus tries to teach us how to have an eternal perspective when it comes to what we have. He says this, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, or fire, you might say, uh, where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. And then he adds this, Right? Maybe you know this verse well. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. You see, Jesus isn't anti-stuff. He's not saying that the material things we have don't matter. They don't have any value. What he's saying is, I'm concerned about your heart and where your loyalty lies and where you find value in things and where you prioritize things. He's after our hearts. One of his uh, closest friends, his disciple John, kind of gives us some additional uh, ways to think about this. He wrote this in 1 John chapter 2. He says, Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. You see how that kind of connects with where our hearts are, where he says if, if our love and our devotion, our fascination is for all of our stuff, as if that's all that matters in life, then there's not as much room for the love of God within us, right? He goes on to say this, for all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, the pride of life, or sometimes it's translated their possessions, right? Taking pride in the stuff that you have. It's not from the Father, but from the world. And the world is passing away along with its desires. But then notice what he says next. Whoever does the will of God abides forever. So John here is saying, 
over-attachment to the things that we have, the things of this world, or being dragged down into the ways in which they are broken and break us, uh, where we come to rely on them too much and our life is ruined if, if, if all is lost, or if we spend all of our best time and energy focusing on what we have and not on doing the will of God, then our heart is out of alignment with what God's best is for us. So he says, whoever does the will of God abides forever. Um, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. God's desire is to have our hearts aligned after his will so that we might know it and then do it and then experience an abundance that is eternal. Um, Paul, another one of the apostles, says it this way in 2 Corinthians. So we do not lose heart, though our outer self is wasting away. Notice this theme throughout, that things may perish and fade. Our, our, our tomatoes don't last more than a few weeks. Our clothes wear out and need to be replaced. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. And this light momentary affliction whatever it was that Paul was experiencing that moment, is preparing us for an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. Then he says this, And so we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. Right, so God's after our heart. He wants it to be filled with the right things. He wants us to know and be in tune with his will so that we might do it. And then we might appreciate that the immaterial side of our life, uh, the fruits of the Spirit, you might say, the moments of generosity and kindness to others that don't necessarily translate to a greater number in our bank account, but may actually uh, be laying up treasures that last for forever. He says these are the things that ultimately matter. For everything on this planet, everything that we can touch and taste and smell and see has a shelf life. It eventually will wear out, fade, and disappear. It's transient. That's what Paul is saying. Uh, but the things of God, the will of God, the life of faith that we're called to and the fruit of it, that has an eternity to it. One more stop with Paul, and then we'll kind of wrap up our New Testament side to this uh, message. This is Ephesians chapter 3, some verses from that chapter. Paul says, If you then have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. That is to say, if you know Jesus, if you know the power of his resurrection, if you know that Jesus has died on the cross, paid for your sins, wiped them out for eternity, and gladly and freely forgives you again and again and again as you continue to struggle with sin and fail throughout all of your life, if you have been raised with Christ, that's what all that is kind of saying there, then seek the things of God, the things of heaven, the things that are above where Christ is. Uh, set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on the earth. And then, whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. So to put this all together, what we're seeing is God says He's interested in our heart because when our heart's right with God, then what we do in this world is different. It, it has this eternal perspective to it, and it's, it's filled with grace and love and hope and peace and joy and generosity, all the things that are inconsistent or that are consistent with the, the will of God, and we live out this new identity we have as the baptized and the resurrected uh, children of God, those who participate with him in eternal life even now. 
And it's marked by an appreciation for what we have without an over-attachment to what we have. Right? So let's pause right there in the midst of our Bible passages to kind of just reorient what we're talking about. Everything we have has been given to us by God as a gift. And it's for us to enjoy. Now, if, if we don't understand the whole of Scripture, what we can do is we can hear those words of Paul and Jesus and John, and we can conclude that the stuff on this earth is fundamentally bad or should be avoided or doesn't matter. That's, that's, that's an um, incomplete appreciation for what the Bible says, because the Bible also says the whole of the earth is the Lord's and every part of it, and he has made it for a purpose, and it's ours to enjoy. God said when he looked over all creation that it was good and very good. He said, go and be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. Enjoy all that I've made. Or in Ecclesiastes, for example, uh, where Solomon's reflecting on what ultimately matters, he says, uh, enjoy the time that you have on earth, the fruits of your labor, the things that are in your hand, for they will pass and fade. I know, Mandy's having struggle right now. Yep, Bill's got it under control, so it'll be okay. Thanks, Bill. Um, and, uh, and so the things that we have are given to us by God. They're ours to enjoy for now, but not to hold on to as if it's all that matters. Bill, do you need any help? All right. Yep, she's just struggling a little bit. That's okay. All right. Yep. Yep. Thanks, Martina. Yep. Yep. It'll be okay. All right, Mandy. Feel better. We love you. All right. Thanks, Andy. Give me a bump. There we go. All right. Yep. But I have fun seeing with the crazy. Okay. All right, we'll see you, Andy. Thanks, Bill. All right, I think it's under control. Thanks, guys. So now here what we're going to do is we're going to shift our gear a little bit and focus in on how we can then use it for the good of others. To do that, I want to take you back to an Old Testament story. This is in 1 Chronicles chapter 29. And what we're going to do is we're going to look at a prayer that King David prays Uh, after there's an outpouring of generosity specifically for the purpose of building the temple in Jerusalem. Now, some of you know a thing or two about the life and the story of King David. Uh, For others of you, maybe just a quick review. Uh, King David was a young shepherd boy that God wanted to be king after the first king, Saul, suddenly started to go in the wrong direction. So God raises up David. We see him, for example, slay the giant Goliath. You remember that story? And then he becomes a mighty warrior, first working underneath King Saul. And he was a a fighter in his army. And it's said that Saul killed his thousands, but David his tens of thousands. Remember that? Right? And then he goes on to be king, and he unites all the people of Israel. He conquers the land. And then now, at the end of his life, his greatest desire would be to finally build a permanent place for God to dwell with his people. Instead of living in the tent, the tabernacle, where he had been present with his people throughout their wilderness wandering, uh, David wanted to build him a permanent home. But God said, you know what? Um, Yours has been a reign with violence, uh, with bloodshed, and, um, uh, and so it's not your purpose or your place to build my house. Instead, it'll be your son, Solomon's. And so right before he dies, in 1 Chronicles 29, David sets aside a vast amount of his own personal wealth, 
He gives it to the work of building the temple, and he invites others among the leaders to do the same. So they took some of what they had, and they used it in a way to be generous for the purpose of building the temple. So that's the context. But what I want you to focus in on is the nature and the content of David's prayer. You'll see the words on your screen. He says this, Blessed are you, O Lord, the God of Israel, our Father forever and ever. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty. For all that is in the heavens and on the earth is yours. Yours is the kingdom, O Lord, and you are exalted as head above all. So the first thing that David reminds us to do as God's people is to recognize that everything we have ultimately belongs to God. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness of it. So everything we have, literally, our phones, our pictures, our pets, even our shoes, ultimately belongs to God and then is simply entrusted to us for a season. Uh, All that is in the heavens and the earth is yours, and you are exalted as head above all. Both riches and honor come from you, David goes on to say, and you rule over it all. In your hand are the power and might, and in your hand it is to make great and to give strength to all. And now we thank you, our God, and praise your glorious name. So what is this perspective supposed to do when we think about our stuff? Is every time, literally we could do this, every time we pick up something we have, especially something we love, we could say, man, God, thanks for your generosity. Um, You didn't have to make a tomato delicious, but it is, especially with a little salt at the end of the summer season, right? You didn't have to make this sunset so beautiful, but you did. You didn't have to make the colors of the leaves so magnificent, but you did. You didn't have to make this treasured family heirloom so precious to me, but you did. And we can be thankful every time we pick up, touch, hold, see the things that we have. So the first perspective would be to say, our our world is not defined by the things that we have, but it's definitely made more joyful and more beautiful because of it. And we can be thankful. And the second thing would be to say we can be generous, right? But who am I and what is my people that we should be able thus to offer willingly? For all things have come from you and from your own we have given you. For we are strangers before you and sojourners as our fathers were. Right? David says, Everything we have comes from you. We give thanks to God for it, and then we hold on to it loosely. We gladly and freely give. And you as the people of God are invited to do the same thing, to take some of what you have and use it for the good of others. Uh, To take what is yours and not treat it as if it only belongs to you, but in actual, it belongs to God and is used by you for the good of others. So a real quick example, tonight. Sarah and I are going to have some people stay in our home. We don't actually know them very well. It's the pastor of Sarah's parents uh, at their home church. And they just sent a text out to some friends in the Chicago area. said, we're flying out of O'Hare on Monday. Is there any way we can stay with you instead of, you know, getting an airport stay? And what our family has embraced is a family value that says we use what we have to bless others, right? And so if there's ever an opportunity to use what we have to bless somebody else, the answer is always yes. Uh, and so we're texting back and forth, and he's going to be coming with his wife this evening. And we just, we have a room, like we can use it. It's otherwise sitting there empty. And it's a little inconvenient, maybe, because we have to change the rhythm of our day, but it's a blessing to them. And tomorrow morning, I'll take them up a little earlier than maybe I would have planned to the airport, and that'll be fine, and it'll be a blessing to them. Or uh, you hear us sometimes talk about our friend Paul in the Aldi parking lot, a homeless man in the community that we've gotten to know over the years and befriend. 
Um, what we've started to do now is keep in our car a stash of the supplies that we know he needs. So some hand wipes, some Kleenex, maybe some energy bars or energy drinks, the simple things we know that he appreciates. And, uh, and whenever we see him, we just have it ready to go and it's there to give. Scripture says if, if you have the world's possessions and see someone else who has need of them, and you do not do what you can to bless them, how can the love of God be in you? How can your heart be shaped like that of Jesus if you don't take and freely give from what you have and use it for the good of others? Right. So this eternal perspective says everything we have comes from God. It's given to us as a gift. We get to enjoy it, but we also get to use it for the good of others. And when we do, we experience the fullness of God's will and his life in us more fully. Our days on earth are like a shadow, he goes on to say, and there's no abiding. That is to say, we know that one day our days will come to an end. O Lord, our God, all this abundance that we have, everything that we enjoy, uh, that has been provided for building your house in your holy name, comes from your hand and is all your own. Right? All that we have, this abundance that God has blessed us with, ultimately belongs to him. It's entrusted to us to be used for the good of others. So the question for you now is this. As you think of what you have, are there things you're holding on to tightly? Are there things that God's saying, I want you to test me and see as you use this to bless others, what it'll do not just to your own heart, but also for them and for the glory of God. I want you to think about that. Here's our, this is what we want you to do next for our here and practice questions. They're not two separate questions we're going to ask, but the same ones that are underneath them all. As you hear this message as you hear God's word today, um, what's one word, phrase, thought, or idea that's just kind of sticking with you? One thing maybe in the teaching or in the reading or in worship so far, what's one thing that's just kind of standing out? I want you to think on and reflect on that. And the second question is, what is God maybe moving you to do next? What's one simple step in a new direction that you can take in response to what God's word is saying? Uh, think about that. Maybe share that with those that you are with. And uh, we're going to continue worship here in just a moment with our next song.